If you're not ready to change gear neurologically, this podcast is not for you. These particularly challenging times can actually be seen as a life-giving opportunity for expansion, disguised as an impossible situation. As we grow into our own wholeness through this global great awakening, we are more aware than ever that we are all one. Join with us to raise the collective consciousness, whole and one. You've got this. Here is your host, Sheila Ihirain. Hello and welcome everyone to Whole and One with Sheila, a show designed to introduce you to the people and the ideas that will bring you ever closer to mind-derived health optimization. Through a series of interviews with specially selected guests, we aim to teach you how to manage your self-talk, build a healthy relationship with anxiety, and rewrite your narrative. Tell yourself that different story. Join us weekly to hear the stories of love, wisdom, and truth that have completely changed the lives of our specially selected guests. Nothing has any meaning except the meaning that you give it. We're joined on today's show by Andrea Splendori, and I say it in my lovely Italian accent because he is lovely and he is Italian, and he loves to take a holiday every day. Andrea, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks a million for having me, Sheila. It's great to chat. We had a great chat in advance, and I would like to begin our little interview today by setting a scene, if I may. So wherever you are listening to this, well, not if you're driving your car, close your eyes if you like, just for a few seconds. Picture the scene. Eat, pray, love. One woman's search for everything across Italy, India, and Indonesia. Where the author chronicles all of her trip around the world and everything that she learned about herself after her divorce. Fabulous film, fabulous book. Now imagine gorgeous Italian guy has a little bit of a car crash, literally, event in Rome. And what does he decide to do when they leave Italy and come to Greystones County Wicklow to find himself? So, Andrea, what I would like to know is whether or not it has been a meandering trail to no avail, or have you, in fact, found your tribe and are you holding them close? That's a great introduction, Sheila. Uh, I never connected my life with uh, heat, prey, and love, but uh, yes. So I was uh, 22 years old when that little car crash, and it was a very small car crash in a very small Italian car. I can't even remember what it was, but it was small uh, on my way to work. And it was just outside the Colosseum, which I think anywhere around the world, everybody would know what a Colosseum looks like. And the interesting thing, I was listening to the Pogues, the Irish band, the Pogues, uh, singing Fiesta. And for whatever reason, I, I went in first gear and I crashed in the car in front of me. I was 22, so that makes it 30 years ago. And uh, there was no mobile phones. There was no technology. So I left the car where it was and I went to the nearest uh, phone box and I made two phone calls. And one was to my boss to say, sorry, I'm quitting, I'm leaving. And the other one was to the travel agents, which there used to be travel agents in those days, and say, can I get a one-way ticket to Ireland? And that was it. And then about a week later, I told my parents that I was actually leaving the next day and that I was going to go and have a little look at Ireland and perhaps come back in a few months' time. 
Um, yeah, so this, this July 2021 will be 30 years exactly since I came to Ireland. And, and it was a pivotal moment. It was something that I didn't really know how to describe then. Uh, it, it was, I don't know, was it youth angst? I don't know what it was. But um, looking back, it, it was something that who I am. I, I, never, I was never into the rat race. I was never into uh, being driven by money or success, all of those things. And, and what I was getting into at the time, that's what it was. You know, it was getting into that rat race. I was getting into just not by design, but the system around me. And you know, Rome is a fantastic city, but it's, uh, I think it's about 6 million people live there. And if you want to make it, you have to kind of elbow your way through it. Sure. And I was never into elbowing my way through anything. So I came to Ireland and, um, and it was amazing because uh, I could only say about three words and that was uh, <laughs> where's Victoria Station. That's all I learned in school. And there was no Victoria Station in Ireland. Uh, so I came here with no, no English. And uh, what I thought was a lot of money. It was something like one and a half million lira which was exactly, I think it was 700 pounds, Irish, old Irish pounds, which lasted me all of two weeks. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I, I was going out with a girl at the time, and she was great. She, she, uh, she looked after me. She kind of took me into her, her, her tribe as such, and some of the friends I got to know then are still very much dear friends now. But I guess one thing, and I'm, I haven't read the book and I haven't seen the movie It Pray a Lot, but one thing that I, I learned um, is the, when you can't speak the language, you have to be really true to yourself. You really, there's no other way to show who you are but being who you are. Mm-hmm. Words can't do that. Oh, sorry, I should say words can do that. But if you can't say it, you just have to show it. And I guess that's one of what got me through. And uh, the early days, just being myself and, and, and moving on that way. Um, and it's funny enough, you mentioned uh, the book because uh, a few years later, I ended up in India and lived there for about four years uh, and then came back to Ireland. So I suppose I could be the new Julia Roberts. Well, you, t- you need to be your own Andrea Splendori. We need a male main character in a similar series, in a similar film, and I want to be in there somewhere too, because I'm the ideas practitioner. I gave you the idea first on Whole and Born with Sheila. Andrea, it's such a fabulous story. I'm really intrigued by the synchronicity of that story being out there in, in, our, in awareness as a concept, and then hearing your story, that you, and you had heard nothing of that, and they're, they're so aligned. They're quite mirror images of each other. It's with, with the gender difference. It's really, really interesting because she too was learning a language in order to find another way of expressing herself. So it's it's all very interesting and synchronous. I think to many of us in our lives, we are looking for that something else, you know. And and the title of this particular interview is that some people are so poor, all they have is money. Because when I look at your life and I see the wonderful work that you're doing and I chat with you and we chatted before and it was so interesting, we could have talked all night. Um, And I was so excited about this interview today. I said that to you in advance of coming online. You know, for other interviews, I had been quite nervous and mildly anxious, I think, to motivate what I hope was a good performance. And because it was so early in the series. But I was literally giddy this morning in advance of this chat because I found that we were so connected at so many levels when we talked before. 
And I suppose I'm prompted to ask in light of that life-changing decision that you made at that very young age, are you an empathetic type of person, do you think, Andrea? Is that what you were struggling with, perhaps, in Rome in the rat race at the time? Were you wise for one so young, perhaps beyond your years? There's an element of that, for sure. Uh, there's an empathy that I'm, I'm learning as I get older, as, I, as I'm learning the tools through the work that I'm doing now and the people I'm meeting. But empathy is one thing. And the other thing I, I think it was, um, it was the need of belonging to something greater and uh, and whilst I have some really excellent friends I grew up with there was just the substance wasn't there the substance of what were we doing it was, it was kind of finite there was always there was nothing really uh, just the society I was part of there was nothing really of of any great substance other than you no know, granted I was very young so and I, and I was enjoying myself, and I was partying. I came on, I came to Ireland, I kept partying. You know that that doesn't. Uh, but there was always something uh, wanting for more, um, more, uh, I guess, more important. Something that really stimulates me and gets me up in the morning, and that was always there. And when I look back, and I. Through the work that I do now in the coaching space, I did on myself, I did one of these autobiography where you write down free flow for uh, 30 minutes or more. And, and I decided to take, to pick my career as the free flow uh, writing. And that's, it was amazing when I looked back to two days later, I went to have a look at it again. And, and all the, this, this different points in my life, those crosswords as a crossroads as I call them. They they happen a regular basis. I'm a great believer of the seven year cycle. That's one thing that seems to be there. But they also happened for reasons that are always related to people. There was always a need for people. There was always a need to interact with people in a more meaningful way. And and that's what got me around the different jobs, different careers. And when I say job, I, I kind of worked for myself for the last 20 years now. But the element of the person across from me is what really matters all the time. There's always, you know, that enrichment, knowing that you say you're giddy about this conversation. I was so excited about the thought because I know, but just even as, being asked the question, I'm going to learn something that I can go back to and have a look at it. Say okay, that's an interesting question she asked me. Now I'm already going to look at people pray love and everything else related to that, and um, and there's that element of of that crossroad. You look being aware of the crossroad. I guess that's where I was. So you know, 21, 22, I saw the crossroad. I thought, okay, I better take a, take another side of this. Let's have a look at the landscape, and then you know, move to India. And, and at 28. And that's is a, quite an important uh, time. At 28, I sat in this massive house in India where I, I relocated to, to set up a business for an Irish company. And I was completely on my own. The rest of the team hadn't arrived yet. And I'm sitting there with no furniture. It was just a table. And up to that point, I was Superman. I was the guy that I could do everything. You know, this is amazing. This is Andrea amazing. He just got to India. You know, he's in charge of this company. He's this, he's that, he's Mr. Manager, Mr. Derek, whatever. And then I just almost like a, a, a thunder and lightning, it came to me. I said, how did I get here? How did I get here? 
And how did I get there was the realization that my parents got me there. Like the, what they taught me those days when I was getting slapped by my mom or, or whatever, being told off by my dad, all those little things, um, I really realized, okay, this, I'm, I am a product of other people's love and affection and teaching. And, uh, and I remember sitting down on my own, I think there was a power cut at the time. There was power cut every, every day, twice a day. And I wrote, I wrote this 10 pages long, basically a thank you letter to my parents. Uh, and it really felt it. I said, I have to. It's 28, 28 years now. It, they deserve a thank you. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, it took me that long. But then I since found out that the, the, the male brain only develops fully in around that age. So... Uh, I didn't know the science behind All I knew that uh, that moment I took the cape off. There was never my cape and went, okay, I'm just, I'm just me. And, and I'm delighted to be just me because that's, that's what the teaching was always there. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of pivotal moments in, in another crossroad in my life where I was sitting there making the money that I needed to make and that I told all it mattered that I was able to buy things without looking at the price and, you know, having a European, a European wage and expenses. I had a, I had a cook, I had a maid, I had a driver, I had all those things. Um, and then, then I realized I actually didn't care for any of that stuff. And so it was the illusion of being rich, as a, a friend of mine said, Dara, they lived there with me at the time. It's just the illusion, be rich. And I thought, I don't need any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the time I came back here, then it, it was uh, the Celtic Tiger was in full swing. And the culture shock of coming back was enormous. The, having watched Ireland grow through the 90s and the wonderful place that it is, and then that blip we had that we thought we were better than we were because we were drinking Chablis instead of drinking pints of Guinness. And, uh-huh. and it was a strange moment where it just reinforced what I am and who I am, which is it's just me. I don't, I don't need success. I don't need money. I just need to, I need people. I need people in my tribes. I need people around me to, to feed off them, to learn more every day and have a healthy and happy life. Sure. And of course, we don't see the world where it's at, Andrea. We see the world where we're at. So even at that young age of 22, you were actually very wise for one so young. You couldn't possibly have experienced the rat race for sufficiently long to really genuinely have consciously known that you needed to get the hell out of there. And the semblance, at least, of spontaneity with the pogues in the background and making your way to the Emerald Isle, there's, there has to be more than that in it. There has to be a divine plan at play that you really had some connection with, even at that tender young age. It probably was. And uh, I think, I'm not sure what, what it is, but uh, I, all I know is that when I landed here, um, that being completely exposed, because all of a sudden I'm sitting here on my own with my girlfriend at the time, but really exposed, really not being able to tell anybody who I am and what I can do, what I can't do. Um, but at the same time, starting to create connections, starting to build really important relationship with, as I say, people that are really good friends to this day that I can pick up the phone now and say, I need help or mm-hmm. do you need help? And so 
I don't know what, what it is, but it's, I just know now uh, that it is something that's been driving me all the time. And, and then finally, in the last few years, I, I turn into both a, a profession and, and, and uh, you know, doing it for, for fun when I do my podcast, when I do my radio shows, when I do my live shows, because it's something that's a passion of mine that, to bring people together, to bring mm. people into what it is that I find uh, literally the most important thing for anybody to have a conversation, to be able to share story, to be able to to sit with somebody without judging, without mm. worrying about who he or she is and what he wears. What he, that's, that was the thing. When I growing up in Italy, we have all these wonderful things, you know, all the Italians wear fantastic clothes, the Italians drive great cars, but, but the pressure comes with that. <laughs> you can't just show up in your runners and, sure. uh, and a pair of ripped jeans. You can, but they have to be Prada or they have mm. to be something else, you know, <laughs> which is great if, you, if you're looking out from, uh, if you're looking in from here, but when you're there every day, it's, it's, uh, it's hard work. So I, I, I really don't know what it was or what it is, but, I do know that it's uh, what I, when I came to Ireland and that was 90, 91, uh, it was a completely different place. And really there was that, that human touch everywhere you went, which we lost a little bit because we got bigger, we got mm. um, busier. And, but, you know, being able to walk into any shops or any pubs or anywhere, it didn't have to be the West of Ireland. You could do that in, the, in South County Dublin. Mm. There was that, lovely human touch that kind of reinforced my want for being here to, for to, connection and for belonging yeah it was easy like i remember just just being accepted by um by some of the locals um without knowing who it was and mm-hmm. uh, but just for me you know i'll be sitting there on i always remember on a thursday afternoon with the evening herald and a pint of guinness that's all i could afford looking for jobs <laughs> and I'd be sitting there and the fine tool last me about two hours and I couldn't really read what the jobs were about, but I did, I did, <laughs> did my best. And, uh, but then, you know, the, the locals kind of got to know me that, you know, who's this guy? What's he looking for? You know, how can we help him? And, how can uh, we help him? Andrea, I have a very interesting question for you. Um, a little bit of a paradox that I'm going to propose. So when you were in Italy and you were finding that there was something shallow about the way people were living, perhaps, you know, that semblance of the need for affluence or the illusion of affluence, sucking people in and losing their essence. And so when we, tell, when we share this story, I hear that as the top layer, that there's something very gentle, very beautiful, seeking more in you, definitely. And that that's definitely to me, the, the shell, the outer exterior of the person that came traveling to Ireland. However, when you were in Ireland, you loved that sense of being different. And you found that you belonged because people saw you as different, an element nearly even of celebrity about the stranger in our land. And certainly we were lovely and we made you welcome. I wonder would an Irish person that perhaps had gone to Italy, to Rome at 22, who was slightly lost in their own space, have found that they were taken in and warmed and welcomed. So is it maybe just something to do with needing to change your environment, sometimes hugely at that early stage, like you ended up doing, or just even the holiday every day that you talk about? Is it just that we need to take a break, 
You did it on a much bigger scale. You came to Ireland. And so what might seem like, you know, that very humble side of you, actually there can be a tiny little element of our ego needing a little bit of massaging when we're that way different in a community. So when you came here, you were so different that you were very special and very welcome. And when we are in our... the cut and thrust of our busy lives, we can sometimes feel that we get a little bit invisible, we're not seen, we're not heard, and the holiday that you talk about can be just that little resting space where we can catch our breath and go back to that lovely, humble place that you talk about so that when we return to our work and mixing with people, they're a bit more refreshed and I suppose a little bit more awakened in it, in our best selves. There's definitely a, a, an awareness piece there, for sure. Um, I, I'm not sure about being special. At the time, it was me and the au pairs. They were the only people who came to Ireland. There was nothing else to do in Ireland. <laughs> but there is a space of definitely an awareness piece and an environment, which is it's interesting. I was talking to somebody recently about, uh, you're saying, oh, but you guys, you know, a great bunch of friends, you know, how do you keep it together? I said, I don't know. I said, it's just, I think you create the environment. And once the environment is right, then the people that are attracted to that environment are like-minded, are, you know, they're there for the right reasons. And uh, so I guess, yeah, the environment is very much something that uh, I worked hard at um, and I've been working hard at. And when I say the environment, it's just really create a space around me that is, is comfortable, it's safe, and it's welcoming because uh-huh. that's, that's our point. I'll just tell you a story about the, the, the environment just to give you an idea of what I mean. So we, we, there's a few friends, there's six of us, and then there's grown to about 10 of us. And we run pretty much every day together. And that's what we've been doing for the last number of years. It's, it's our pastime. We run every morning, most mornings, and we go for a swim, and then we go for a coffee. That's, that's our earning money routine. Oh, I want your life. That's <laughs> fab. It's easy. You get up, you do it. And, you know, by nine o'clock, you're at the desk and working and it's fine. But we're all self-employed. So we, we spend a bit of time in the morning together, you know, checking on each other. How's the week going? How's business going? And whatever, normal stuff. But we've been doing it for about 10 years. And as I said, the six growing to about 10 of us now. And over the years, we decided to start to do marathons abroad or long runs, ultra marathons abroad, just to get a weekend away. And, and that's been great. And then last year, before the before COVID, we decided to do a run for charity. We decided to run from Greystones to Galway, which is uh, 200 plus kilometers, 240 kilometers. So we decided to do it over three days. And we decided to raise funds for Lost for Life, which is a mental health charity, and for Crumlin, which is a children's, children's hospital charity. And that was an idea. Six of us said, okay, let's do it. But then the more we talked about it, the more we said, but this would be nice to have people around. It'd be nice to have as many people as possible around. And so we set it up to say, okay, who can run through 240 kilometers? Not too many people can do that, including some of us, including me. I can't do 240 kilometers. So we said, okay, we'll, we'll allow everybody to come along and they can run one kilometer. They can run five. They can do whatever they want. So over the months, we ended up with 20 of us. We hired a camper van and, and the camper van meant this, whoever wasn't running was looking after the camper van, was looking after the food. And so we got 20 people across Ireland, along the canal. And it was the most amazing experience. I ended up doing a three-part series documentary on it, uh, recording people as we were running, recording people before and after. 
But the most amazing thing about that was the, the environment, was creating the environment and creating it. There were people that had never been with us before. There was 16 guys and two girls, or 17 guys and two girls. And they felt so safe to be with us, to share the stories too. Because you create the environment and you have no pretense, you have no, you don't make up anything. That's what it is. That's what we're doing. That's why we're doing it. And if you want to share your story, as we pounding the, the, the pavement for 12 hours a day, there's plenty of time to talk. And it was amazing. And so we do things like that. We're going to do another one this year. This time it's going to be along the Royal Canal, all the way up to Strokesdam. But it's not, the idea is not to do this superhuman, you know, massive challenge. It's to say, look, there's a caravan of love going from here to, to there. Do you want to come along? Just jump in. Do you want to come along and just drive the van? Do that. Do you want to come along and just show up in the evening and have a chat? Do that. It's inclusion. It's just be able to say, I want to be part of something. And I want to be part of something. We found that especially what, for me, this social media world has been something that has been kind of bothering me for a while. And that's why I started the Social Fabric podcast. That was a, 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 a word play on social media and fabric of society <laughs> because I was really worried about what it was doing to my teenage kids, how seeing um, somebody that can run a marathon a day for 40 days and looks like he's never, you know, beautiful person it's just not right it's not real the reality is we should be able to look up somebody for the easiest possible thing whatever that is you know somebody and you know they don't have to look pretty all the time they don't have to look always in great form and 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 that, so that's what we wanted to create, and that's what happened. And, and, and this year, there'd be a lot of people, that, a lot more people are going to join us because now they got the idea that you can come along. Wow. There'd be no judgment. You do whatever you like. And, and as it turned out, the people came, they said, we're going to come and do 5K. They ended up doing a marathon a day because then you bring brought along by the environment, by the people, by the, 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 the biosmosis. That's really what it is. And that's what we're, we're all the same. We're all in, we're all, I don't know, from an energy point of view, but we are all part of the same ecosystem. We are all one. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, this particular podcast is called Whole and One, as you know, Andrea, and that is my religion. That is my movement. That's my practice. So it's to find my own wholeness every day. And when I do, because I do have to work at it, then to connect to the universal one, and then I'm safe. Then I've had my drink of, or my um, my quota of medication in meditation for the day. So I, I agree with you. It's the most beautiful, it's the power of the people. It's the most beautiful idea and way to live. It seems like the quintessential way. It seems like the best way. And we were kind of born to do that, but we're forced to work to some extent. Listening to you, it sounds so perfect. And you've made a model of this available to everybody in your have a holiday every day approach. So will you tell us about that, Andrea? So like when I mentioned to you that I go for a run and swim in the morning, then a coffee, you say, oh, that's perfect. I want your life. But there's nothing to it, right? It's a very simple. So I developed a part of the coaching business that I have. I do a, a program called One Hour Holiday, which I've been doing for years, even before I got into coaching. 
whereby I take an hour every day where I'm on a holiday. And, and it's simple as maybe it's half an hour run, maybe it's 15 minutes coffee, maybe it's walking around the neighborhood and having a look at a new building that I've never seen before or simply walking across the road and looking at the same building from a different perspective. Or um, just, just very, very small things, you know, just really getting to know the environment, getting to know your neighbors. Because if you break down, uh, I did a few workshops and I asked the people who joined the workshop to say, okay, give me a list of your, your favorite thing to do on a holiday. And invariably, it's reading a book, sitting and relaxing, having a drink, having a coffee, speaking to someone new, eating something new. And you can do all of that at home every day. And so sometimes if you just walk across the road and knock on your neighbor's door and ask him a question that you're actually interested in knowing the answer, you'll find out that um, there's a lot more to that person. There's a lot more that you can learn from him, her. And, and I do that pretty much. I wouldn't knock on my neighbors every day. Well, you know, I do it fairly regularly, but I do take my time every day. So if I'm sitting... If I go for a run like I did this morning uh, down the beach, for that half an hour, I'm not in Great Stones. I could be anywhere. And mm-hmm. it's just, it is a mindset. And it's that thing, you know, when we were kids, I don't know about you, but I was a cowboy for a long time, you know, or an Indian, depending on what it was, you know, and I, I, I could be anywhere. And I was in Texas or whatever. You know, we can all do that. We can all do that until we're age 10. And then we feel we can't do that anymore. But I can guarantee you if you walk out of your your house today and take a different route that you've taken up to today and just to go and explore for half an hour and just have a look see what you find and it could be as simple as a new building that you've never seen or a, a new like even even looking at your garden with a different um you know just look at the details in your garden look at the at the flowers of the of the weeds that are coming there. Sure. And then just to really enjoy it. And I know it's called mindfulness now. It's a mindfulness. And that's what I, how I do my mindfulness. I spend my time, that 10 minutes or 15 minutes that I need my time off. It could be in the sea. It could be just walking around the town without pretending to be in my own town. And, and it, as I said, I've been doing it. I started off um, when I was, I was initially working and uh, I took an hour off. I was in the meetings and I said, look, I'm going away for an hour. I was in Luca, which is a fantastic place. And, uh, and I always liked, I always remember watching people drawing, uh, sitting outside churches and doing, you know, the drawing of the church. And I thought, oh, I'd love to do that. And that day I said, you know what, I'm going to do that. Never be able to draw in my life. And I went into a beautiful shop. I bought a lovely moleskin book, um, um, notebook and a pencil. And a pen, I should say. And I went to sit in one of the piazzas and I started to sketch. And the hour went, I had a couple of coffees. And I looked back at the sketch, I thought that, that was rubbish. But I thought, you know what, I actually really enjoyed it. And that was eight years ago. And I sketch every day. Mm-hmm. Now I paint. I do all the things I want to do. Because that's another thing we do when we're on a holiday. Uh, you know, you might go up sailing or you do things, you know, you go limbo dancing. I don't know, whatever people do on a holiday, but whatever you like to do on a holiday, why why can't you do at home? Why don't you do the little things every day that makes you feel like you're on a holiday? So there's simple steps that I do. And and look, there's no science behind it. It's a very simple thing. But the little things like um, pen to paper, sketching, journaling, and even journaling, you know, if if you really pay attention to what's around you every day, 
and writing it down. You'd be amazed what's around you that you never looked. And, you know, the famous, the, the grass is always green. And, you know, there'll be people coming to my hometown from anywhere else in the world and they think it's the most amazing place in the world. I know it is, you know, mm-hmm. everywhere is amazing. So everywhere I go, I'll use it. And I take my time to, so if I'm between business meetings, I make sure to take some time off. But also what it does, yeah, by the time I get to the business meeting, I have something to talk about. So if I'm coming busy to you, whatever you are, I might take a side road. I don't take the motorway. And by the time I get to you, I might have got lost and might discover something. And then there's something to tell you. Look, I was just down the road. I found this amazing place. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> Before you know, we'll have a chat. And, and, it, and it's just nice. It's something to share. And, uh, you know, when, when people come and visit you, you normally discover places that you, you didn't really bother before. And I grew up in Rome where everybody knew everything about Rome. And I didn't know because that's, I went to school about three minutes from the Colosseum. So the Colosseum was a place where you just go and hang around. It wasn't a place worth looking at, you know. Yeah. So that's, that's what I do. It's a simple life. It's absolutely not simple at all. It's as, it, as in terms of how we might normally perceive simple to be, it is magnificent as far as I'm concerned. So again, life mocking art, it's how you view anything, isn't it, Andrea? And it's how you tell it as well. So this holiday that you talk about, this holiday every day is actually a viewpoint that we can take in relation to the downtime that we might have been all getting involved in to some extent, but still struggling a little bit to grant ourselves the freedom to write ourselves the permission slip to do it. So if we can now use that language and sheath this downtime in the language holiday, Andrea Splendori style, it's so much more glamorous to think that the run that we finally, you know, sometimes you can spend 10 minutes getting your skins on and you put on a wash, take out a wash and you do everything except get out the door for the run. You know, you need so badly and you know, you're going to love by the time it's done, but the negotiation can be exhausting. So just even having this chat with you and changing the language around that thing that we're, we know we need to do being our holiday it's a totally different energy. It is. And I'll tell you another thing. So when you, like, I was in Las Vegas before the lockdown for a, for a, a show that I, not, not a show, not a magic show or anything. It was, it was an exhibition. And so you have a choice. You're right there for three days business. And a lot of your listeners would have done that where it doesn't matter if it's Las Vegas or London, whatever. It's the three-day business meetings, which is just boring and, you know, hotel rooms and what have you. I was going to the exhibition and I could have taken a taxi, the 10-minute taxi ride, or I could get up an hour earlier and walk it. Now, nobody walks in Las Vegas. I did. And it was the most fascinating thing. So you, instead of walking the strip, I went the back road. And the amount of stuff I saw in that hour, by the time I got there, I got a bit of exercise. I got to see this side of the city that I, I've been there a few times before, but I'd never really seen it. And again, as I arrived there, I thought that was something that I hadn't included in my, in my agenda for meeting this guy and that guy. And it was a plus. Now, the, the one-hour holiday, I'm actually writing a book about it because a few people have asked me some of the, and, and it's a kind of biography stroke ideas on how to do this. But, but the one-hour holiday, if you, if you do it every day, at the end of the, the year, it's exactly 15 days. So you get 15 days extra that mm-hmm. you didn't have on top. So if two weeks holiday, 
free of charge on top of your or your whatever you get as your a, annual as leave. A, yeah, your annual leave. But it is. It's it, and it's 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 great because um, you just you just create that space that we all need. And it, what I like about and I call it um, non-prescriptive tools to improve to improve your ecosystem because I don't believe in having to do things. So the way I'm, I'm living my life, I'm trying to do as much things that I like to do, I want to do to balance what I have to do. We all have to do something. Sure. We all have to, whether it's work, whatever. And, it, and it's absolutely fine. But if you balance it with the stuff you really like to do. So for me, sitting down for half an hour sketching a building or a face or something, it's, I need to do it now. It's been mm-hmm. so that, and is is it relevant whether the sketch is good or not? It's my time. Like I do it while I'm watching TV. I'm doing it while I'm, I'm on the phone. I'm not doing. I'm not doing it today. <laughs> but most of the time, I've, I have my doodle because it helps me think. But that helps helps me think. But that's me, and it's different for everybody. So the idea of meditation sometimes or mindfulness, you know, the ten minutes, the half an hour, the yoga, I find that quite prescriptive. And I don't like that. I know some people do. Some people need that. They need the time. I find it that if you're just getting that right balance between things, you'll do it naturally. And then it's a lot easier. So I couldn't sit down. I do my 10 minutes most mornings of sitting down and try to meditate. But And I say try because it's a bit more work than I need to. But I... I can finish this phone call now and it goes straight on, on my app, my, on my pad to sketch for half an hour and, and my thoughts would be back to normal. You so know. it's very grounding for you. So there are different forms of meditation. So meditating is just becoming familiar with. Mm-hmm. And so this for you is meditation in motion. You're getting in touch with your creative side and we all have a creative side that we do put a lid on when we're so busy. So I suppose what you're saying is just find that thing that you're hobbyist about. And you may not have been practicing it since you were in primary school. You may not have been a child prodigy when it comes to art or music or running or anything at all, but you may find it's never too late. Older, not over. What about that idea, Andrea? Absolutely. And uh, one of the things I do in my workshop, like I, I always played music pretty much on my own. And in my late forties, I, set up a band and we have a band that we've been playing, you know, before COVID we played, I don't know, 10, 12 gigs, great yeah. fun. And, and it was terrifying to get on stage in front of 200 people. That was the first gig we did, but it's that. And, and then I did live events for my social fabric podcast again with a couple hundred people in the theater with four guests on stage. Never done that in my life before, but it's that putting yourself in a, out of your comfort zone. It sure. helps all the, the, the juices, they created juices. But the idea of the awareness, what I like about the way I do it, more so than sitting down in a dark room, or it's that is it's inclusive. So I could be doing this, you and I could be going for a walk and 20 minutes, and we share a story, we share a coffee, and I'm able to leave everything behind for that 20 minutes, mm-hmm. as if we met on the... I don't know, on the strip in Las Vegas, and that was a holiday, as opposed to having to, having to isolate yourself to find sure. that awareness. No, as I say, it doesn't work for, for everybody. It works for somebody. It's, it's important to have the structure. It doesn't work for me. Uh, and it's this way. It's just a really easy way to, 
And what I find is fantastic is you get to know your neighborhood, you get to know your environment, and you get to appreciate it, you get to look after a lot more. And uh, so it's, I can't look at rubbish on the, on the beach. I never did, but now when I run, I have to pick it up. And there's a few of us, we actually bring the bags. And by the time we come back, we have a full bag. It's not to be superheroes. It's just we don't like to see it. And the more people see us do it, the more people are doing it. The more they do it as well. And in a simple, you know, just don't, don't tell people what to do. Just do it. And hopefully they'll follow you. Sure, be the change you want to see in the world. And also the meaning and purpose that you're getting out of that. So you have the momentum of your self-generated forward movement, which is really good for your wellness physically, good for your wellness mentally and emotionally. And then you're bringing it that other layer into the community by actually doing some work for the higher good. And you're showing, demonstrating in practice that that's how it should be. So it's amazing. And therein, I think you find your happiness. I think it's easier. I think it's a more direct pathway to happiness in a consistent way when you you realize that you'll derive that beautiful happiness from the meaning that you garner from the things that you do that are really genuinely done in essence. Yeah, that's one huge point. But the other point that um, I find uh, happiness is shared. I don't see... Um, happiness being a, a solo journey and just to go back to the long run we did we we crossed the line all of us crossed the line at the same time after three long days and I genuinely cannot remember me all I remember I remember every single one of my friends faces and tears and and blood and sweat but that's what made me happy it wasn't I actually I keep going back and going where was I because I can't remember me crossing the line mm-hmm. And that for me was happiness. And, and I think if you, if you make it a journey with people that you care about and they care about you, it's a lot easier to get there. Solo journey can be, it could be chasing the pursuit of happiness as, as you know, the, the American constitution gives you. It's a pursuit of happiness, mm. but it's not quite happiness. It's just a pursuit. Maybe somewhat hedonistic. <laughs> yes, I know. There, it's, it's a little bit tragic in some ways, isn't it? And I suppose it's, again, another irony then, because everything in our own brains and in our neurobiology has a push and a pull. So I suppose if we look at that then in the environment around us with a view to trying to access even more wellness and more wholeness, so the irony of the fact that a lot of people will make that journey around the world into India and Indonesia and perhaps to Italy or some leave Italy and come to Ireland to find themselves and really it is all about just connecting with a different finding your tribe because we are pack animals Andrea and you're so right sometimes you need to be on your own and sit with your pain and be okay with that to push through pain barriers but then the healing really comes in the co-regulation and in the co-regulation you get better at self-regulation and then you're a better version of yourself for going back out there and mixing again it's all a little bit reciprocal it's very much so. And uh, the way I described it, I, I, I wrote an article for, the, for one of the websites and it was about the pack. And it, it's, I, I'm part of a pack and I don't know what is a male thing, or, or, but I am part of a pack. I need the pack around me. Um, and I need it for a number of things. I need, them for, uh, I need my friends to tell me off when this time is right. I need my friend to listen to me. I need, I need them to know that I, they can listen, that I listen to them, you know, to really say, you know, how are things and just listen, you know, it's important. And, and we were, we were just discussing just before I came online here, how important the group we have is, but we work hard at it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't, 
it's, it's nothing frivolous about it. And, and at the same time, you know, we have a great time. We have great fun. But we all know that it's, we're just a phone call away or a, a knock on the door away for each other. And, and knowing that, it's, it's a huge relief to know yeah. that. Because, look, we all love our families. We love, I love my wife. I love my kids. But sometimes you need to talk about your wife and kids with somebody. Sure. In a very, absolutely. In a very healthy way, of course. Of course. Yeah, and, and friends are the family that you pick for yourself. So when you're lucky enough to have really good friendships, it's that other space to go to, to grow in. You know, we, we are going to be with family anyway, and, and it has all of its own trip hazards. But you can take your sustenance for that from your wider friend group when you feel as safe as you are making it very clear you do. It's a very genuine friendship. There's a lot of authenticity and integrity implied yeah. in what you're saying. And what it is as well, Sheila, the important part of this group is it's all inclusive. So it started off with six, it's now 10. It could be 20 next time I speak to you because... Yeah. You know, there's a strong, you know, as I like to call it, the inner sanctum. You know, that's where we started. But, but we're, everybody's welcome. And everybody's welcome because there's really, and I keep saying it's simple because there really isn't too many hairs and graces. It's just us. It's who we are and it's what we do. So if, if you don't like running, it's okay. You can still come for the coffee, you know. And if you don't like coffee, well, come for a swim. If you don't like come for a swim, just show up whenever you want. You know, when the pub's open again, we go for a pint. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be anything to be part of what we do and you don't and it's, it's funny because it, obviously I know everything about my friends but it, I, I when I do my interviews with um, the social fabric and I had 130 episodes whatever it is now I, I, I actually genuinely don't care what people do for a living it just doesn't I'm just interested in the person and I happen to know what they do because they come on the podcast but and it's quite amazing. The more you talk to people, the more you genuinely asking the right question, the less is important of what people do. And the less is important for those people to tell you mm. what they do. And, and I've had so many people on the podcast from all over cross section of the society. That's the whole idea that we are all exactly the same. And, you know, without the coffee shop owner that I interviewed, there wouldn't be the the hot-ass flowers musicians and there wouldn't be the priests and, you know, all the people I've interviewed. And, and, and it, for me, it's easy to do. But it, I keep hearing every day, oh, but you're going to have that guy on the podcast. I said, but I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm going to have the next guy. And we're all the same. We're all exactly the same. And what we do doesn't define us. And, but sometimes, you know, that's what kind of keeps the, the groups a bit closed because there's a certain element you need to be, you know, there's a certain bar that you need to reach to be part of it. We don't have a bar. We're just a normal human being. But you're connected and there's an energy connection there, I think, Andrea implied. And you're, you're like thinkers and you all operate out of that same um, space of essence. I, I, this is what I'm gleaning from you. And when you say that everybody is welcome. That's such a beautiful mantra to have. And everybody is welcome. But what I believe is that what you're vibrating will only attract similar vibrations. So it's a safe, it's a safe outlook to have because when you, you know, obviously whatever you broadcast into the environment is what you're going to get right back. And obviously you're bringing lovely people into the fold all the time. Yes, to a point. But also I think the moment you've created that environment, even people that are not quite like, and I don't necessarily mean we're all like-minded, but people feel welcome that bring something to the group. And because the environment is right, 
because it's, it really is a level playing field. There's no, there's nothing there. You just come along and be part of it. Then you can bring whatever you have to offer, and it might not necessarily mean something we know about or we we care. You know, you can come along and say, you know, I don't run, but I, I I'm into Irish dancing. Great, you know, show us. Tell us about that. Yeah, do <laughs> that might, thing there. Yeah, we might not do it, but love to see it. You love to see you doing it. You know, it doesn't matter, and I think that's that's the beauty of it because I, I, from my point of view, I just know that. Every conversation matters, and every conversation adds something to my life. And do I learn every day? Absolutely. Do I know enough? No, I never know enough. And uh, and I think I was talking to a client the other day, and I woke. I said, "Look, I get up every morning knowing that I know nothing, and that's what gets me going." Because I genuinely, you can tell me everything about podcasting now, and I've done it for three and a half years, but I still listen because I go. Maybe she knows more than I do. Oh, geez, don't take your lead from me. <laughs> and you know that. Don't, don't, do not tell what happened. No, no, do not take your lead from me. End of, end of story. But I would listen. I would still listen. You know, would I take a lead? You'd laugh. Tell the whole truth. You'd laugh. <laughs> Tuned in, turned in, tapped on, saying nothing else. The rest is for the holiday. <laughs> um. Andrea, I absolutely love your philosophy. I love that you're able to initiate it so well and that you have become um, a well-honoured, well-known master of the craft. I am dying to ask, just very briefly, because we are coming near the end of the show, but I'm dying to ask about the cold water swimming. We chatted about it briefly before, and it's a whole concept, isn't it? It's a whole movement now, not just in your lovely little friendship group in Greystones, but so many people who aren't even swimmers are actually having a dip in the cold water for its benefits. And I suppose from the Wim Hof perspective, uh, we have all learned that we could do some bottom-up modulation when we manage our breathing and we can do that and we dip in the water. So will you give us a little um, sort of a, a brief masterclass on how to benefit from cold water swimming? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if I can give you a brief master's class, but I can tell you exactly what we do. So we've been there for over three years. Um, and uh, what happened, we went in, a friend of ours is on a wheelchair. He had an accident. So he wanted to, he swims every year for his, for his uh, anniversary of his accident. But he needed a couple of, of us to help him in and out of the water. So that's how we started three and a half years ago. Um, that was May and then September came, he came out of the water and we stayed in so every day. And I think what it is... Um, the best way to describe it is the way my friend Mark Lawler said it to me on the podcast. You might like the person, you might not like the person going in, but you definitely like the person coming out. And that's the best way I can describe it to you. There is a, an element of, there's definitely a mental health advantage. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Um, and we're going in with all weather at the moment is starting to get better. The, the water goes down to about six degrees as well as slow as four degrees. Um, there's something about, and I don't know what, there's all sorts of, there's better people that can talk to you about the physiological and psychological. For me, it's a simple walking in and washing away everything that is going on and walk out and leave it behind you in the sea. And there is definitely an energy uh, with the salt water and the cold water together. There's definitely something that pulls away what is toxins. I have not been sick for three and a half years. Oh, yeah. I've not had a cold or a cough or so there's something what is a coincidence I'm not too sure but it, again it's that ritual of getting in the morning and 
what is five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, depending on the time of the year and coming out and leaving that, that grumpy person behind and coming out with a smile. We all come out with a smile every morning. Sometimes um, it's a grimace from cold. But. Uh, no, a very um, intrusive, intruding, intrusive question. Are you a swimmer or a dipper? Swimmer. Oh, you're a swimmer. Well done. Um, I think I might try and become at least just a dunker, you know, before I tried swimming. But it sounds amazing. And you're right. There are so many good benefits from just getting into the salt water from the point of clearing out your eyes, your ears, your nose. We, we could go on forever on those benefits. Um, but actually, as you say, probably the, the greatest benefit is the fact that as you, you make that gentle, very spiritual walk, I'd imagine down in there every day, I'm sure every day is a big day. You know, I don't think you could probably ever get so used to it that you'd race off in, except in the really fine weather in the summer. But it is a big deal every day to get yourself in there, get down under the water and experience that spiritual space and come out then as that cleansed, renewed version of yourself. There is, a, there is a, there's a beautiful respect for the sea. I mean, the sea is ever-changing and it's dangerous. And, uh, you know, anybody listening, just don't, you know, be careful. You know, it's, it's, it is dangerous and always swim with somebody. I never, I try not to swim on my own unless it's super calm. But it, there's a healthy respect for the sea and there's that, knowing that you're in there and you're so vulnerable. You're nothing. You're in the sea. You're absolutely nothing. And there's nothing to protect you other than yourself and you. And it's just taking that moment to just sit and be with your thoughts for a few minutes. As I say, in the depth of winters, it might be only a minute or two because it's way too cold, but it feels a lot longer and it's, and it's great. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And to build up your tolerance because it's mm. kind of, I suppose, analogous to building up, to, to increasing that window of tolerance for anxiety, which we have to do on occasions, because through that is the gateway into calm and analogous then to just falling more in love with yourself as well, just trusting divine intelligence, because it's from the same divine intelligence that that amazing ocean yeah. was born out of, that we are born out of ourselves. Yeah. And just to realize that we're safe, we're in that safe space and we're always being minded and looked after. Sadly, we have come to the end of the show. Um, I've had such a blast chatting with you. Uh, the giddy part before was equally as good. Can't share the story there. Um, we can't rewrite the beginning of our lives, Andrea, any of us, but we can begin right now, and every moment is a new moment, to pen a new ending of the story of our lives. And I think having heard your stories today, so many people are going to give themselves a holiday let themselves off the hook and just have a holiday. So even if it was the practice that you were already toying with and dipping your toes in the water of, excuse the pun, to now not fear it and, and not let the quit circuit kick in. Instead, do the Andrea Splendori thing. Make it a holiday. Even the sense of it being a holiday, if it's a run and there's a big hill on your route, if it's a dip in the cold water, if it is a walk with your friend, if it's couch to 5K, whatever it is, consider it a holiday. It's going to be a whole lot easier to do it. Andrea, it's been an absolute pleasure. Please stay in touch. Mm -hmm. uh, let this not be the last chat. It has been uh, life-changing, to say the least. Guys and gals, I'm going to sign off for now. Please tune in every Wednesday to Hold in One with Sheila on Voice America's Empowerment Channel. Slán foil. Thank you again for joining us for Hole in One. 
Please join your host, Sheila E. Hirine, for another edition of this amazing program next Wednesday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we meet again, remember no matter the question, love is the answer. You've got this.